0: If you would, take the word of the Lord, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We are moving into chapter 11 after concluding chapter 10 last week. And we will focus on the first six verses of chapter 11. And those of you who have been a part of this ministry for a time, know that my first message is I'm going to give you kind of a major introduction into what it is we're stepping into. So uh, if you would please, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, if you would please follow at the reading of the word. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me, for I am jealous for you. ...with a godly jealousy, for I betroth you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. For, if one comes and preaches another Jesus... "...whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles, but even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge, in fact, in every way we have made this evident." to you in all things. Father, I come before you, the author and the finisher. Lord, as I look at this section, chapter 10 to the end of the book, I see spiritual warfare. And Father, it is so overlooked. Father, I ask that even now the words would be you to the spirits and souls of these precious souls. And that, Father, we would uh, be encouraged, but also be warned. And Father, I hope that, uh, that you will teach us in a mighty way this time to your glory and praise. Amen. Our last section in, in chapter 10 was dealing, how do I know a true man of God? Uh, how can he be known? How can I acknowledge him? And, and I shared with you that once you step into chapter 10, he starts being more specific. He starts dealing with the false brethren, the false accusers in the church in Corinth that had caused all the chaos to start what Paul had to be dealing with. And I listen and, and, and I, I hear a lot. Uh, One of the things that I adhere to, that I try to teach, is God has given us two ears and one mouth. There is something we should be doing twice as much of, and so I listen, and I listen very diligently, and I listen specifically. All right. And one of the things that I have seen and heard in the body of Christ is we have completely a complete misunderstanding of what spiritual warfare is. Uh, we have bought the Hollywood version of spiritual warfare, and um, <clears throat> that isn 't biblical i mean it's it 's just that simple. I already showed it to you. it is speculations and lofty ideas raised up against the true knowledge of Christ. So when I think about spiritual warfare, I think a battle for the mind, okay it is i wish it was more complicated than that but what i've watched is we have missed that and uh you know and i can go back you guys know that i love history i can go back and show you historically in the body of christ how it has twisted and turned and we are you know what's kind of amazing to me the church is in a dire mess right now and is unaware of it and it's, it's, it's kind of shocking. Um, and there, I know a church right now, uh, we were working with alternative pregnancies. Uh, that we were giving ultrasounds and um, pregnancy tests, uh, STD tests, and all this. And it was all free. And the church was just doing a little advertising and all the rest of it. And there's a church in our community who said, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Okay, and it is just what it says. Alternative pregnancies. Instead of going to Planned Parenthood, here are your alternatives. And there is a, my favorite word, plethora of them. Okay, he came back to me and he says, We can't get involved with that. And I said, Why not? He says, It's too political. Wait a minute. Pregnancy is too political. But see what we've done? That's spiritual warfare. I'm fighting for the minds. Let me explain this to you. And one of the things that I have found that is underlying in the whole letter of 2 Corinthians. Okay, and I want to give this to you because I want you to think about this. All right? It is a word, loyalty. Loyalty. Okay. When you think of that, what does it mean to you? Okay. I mean, I can give you the synonyms faithfulness, allegiance, fidelity, wholeheartedness, devotion, you know, words like that. Okay. But if you're really honest with yourself, the scripture calls God's people to be loyal to him. I, I, and it, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. I, I need to be loyal to what he is doing. And you know, this goes back a few days, this loyalty thing. When Solomon had finished building the temple, in his prayer to Israel and to the nation, at the prayer for the commemoration. Of the temple. In First Kings chapter 8. Verse 61. Let your heart therefore. Be wholly devoted. To the Lord our God. To walk in his statutes. And to keep his commandments. As at this day. The word there. And this is a numeric standard translation. Wholly devoted. In the Hebrew is the word loyal. Be loyal. New King James translates it, loyal. And I I think about that. When we hear, such and such has fallen. Okay? You know what you're saying? He's no longer loyal. Right? Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. Why? You're going to be loyal to one. Right. And I mean, mean, but but we don't really look at it from that loyal. That just seems crazy. You know, I'm loyal to the Broncos. Well, you know, when I live in Colorado, most of my adult life, but I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I loved them when they were awful. Oh, wait, they still are. Never mind. Uh, I still love them. Okay, but I don't have a devotion to a football team like I do to the Lord. You know, if you look at the history of Israel, there were some kings who were extraordinarily loyal. Uh, Hezekiah was extraordinarily loyal. Uh, Asa was extraordinarily loyal. You you see them. You know what? You may not like it, but David was extremely loyal to the Lord. Okay? There were some who were not. Abayim, Amezah, and the country went through great suffering. So when I look at scripture, one of the things that you can see underlying the whole of scripture is a loyalty is a great concern to our God. We need to be loyal to him. Okay, we, you know, we need to be loyal to his truth. And when I say that, do you understand that I'm not saying some of his truth? I'm saying we need to be loyal to his truth, to the jot and the tittle. I, I watch the church today and we're loyal to parts of it. And, and, and that's, that's not right. We need to be loyal to his kingdom. We need to be loyal to His purpose. We need to be loyal to His mission. You know, when I think about being loyal to His kingdom, how many forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of many? How loyal to the kingdom are you if you don't want to be in the church? Listen, I know the church ain't perfect. But that's all we got. That's all we got. If you look... Also, in uh, First Chronicle twenty eight nine. This is an interesting statement because when I think about loyalty, I think about the story of Solomon. Okay, and when he became king, what was it he asked for? Wisdom, Wisdom. Knowledge. knowledge. Right, and everybody says oh, Solomon. Now there's the bright bulb in the package. Right? And you think about Solomon. He did some amazing things. David was not allowed to build the temple. David's passion was to build the temple. But he couldn't because he had the blood of innocent men on his hands. But his son got to build the temple. Here's a father's concern. 28, 9 of First Chronicles. This is David to his son. As for you, my son Solomon, know the heart of your father. Serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. That's the father to the son. He's exhorting his son to be devoted to to God. Be loyal to God. Be devoted to God's will. Be devoted to God's nature. Be devoted to God's purposes. Serve Him in loyalty. Serve Him with your whole heart. And then if you go over in chapter 29 of the same book, verse 19, David begins to pray. He's exhorted his son. Be wholly devoted to the Lord. He prays. And give to my son a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes, and to do all of them and to build the temple to which I have made provision. The prayer is given. The exhortation is given. The prayer is given. I want him to have a perfect heart. What is a perfect heart? A loyal heart. Be loyal to him. The father, David, instructs his son to be loyal. And then he prays his son to be loyal. An unwavering loyalty to God. Think about that. David had an unwavering loyalty to God. Did he make a mess? You betcha. Okay? But he... He was a man after God's own heart. You got that? All right. So how do we do. Well, go to 1 Kings 11. Verse 4. The exhortation from his father. The prayer of his father. And... Now, remember, this guy was given wisdom and knowledge from God. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father had been. That is the sad story. Of disloyalty. After Solomon's death, what happened to the kingdom of Israel? It was divided, northern and southern. Solomon was exhorted, Solomon was prayed for, and he proved to be disloyal. That was his life. Listen, I want you to understand something about loyalty. The best intentions, loyalty can be lost. I don't care what you say. Solomon started strong. The heart can become disloyal. You can divide. The heart can divide its devotion. The heart can divide its allegiance. The Bible calls it double-mindedness. And whenever double-mindedness takes over, the results are always, 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 always tragic. Every time. Wisest man the world had ever seen. Life was tragic because he was double minded. Okay, so best intentions don't mean devotion. So what does it mean to be loyal to God? If you had to define it what is the best definition and the lord Jesus gave it to us love the lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength heart soul mind and strength you know what I see that is every part of yourself every part of your every dimension of your being it's it's Every dimension of your being a continual concern that God be honored. Now, grab wrap your head on that one for a minute. Heart, soul, mind, and strength concerned over God's honor in everything that I do. Paul's already told us in 2 Corinthians, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And that eating and drinking, you know, I'm going over to the water fountain. Thank you, Lord, for the water. You know what? If you do this, you fulfill the law. Why? The rest is done. You don't even have to worry about loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, what was the two greatest commandments? And he gave those two. But if you do the first one, the second one's covered. The history of Israel proved many times to be disloyal. Hey, go look at the book of Judges. Your own study time. They get themselves in a ringer. God gets them out of it. And then, we can handle it now. Okay. And then back in the ringer. And back out again. And every man was doing what was right in his own mind. The whole history of the nation is that way. It works its way into the human behavior. And it's easy. Even with the best intentions. I really hope you get this. You can have the best intentions of being devoted, of being loyal. And I'm going to ask you, how do you stack up against the wisdom of Solomon? Even the true church of Jesus Christ proved to be disloyal. Why do we have Second Corinthians? Because the Corinthians had become disloyal to Christ, to the Word. And you know what is amazing? That church founded by the Apostle Paul turned on the Apostle Paul, on the gospel, on God, and on Christ of salvation in less than 18 months. After he spent two years with them, day-to-day, house-to-house. And Paul was sharing his concern over this disloyalty. Why? They had... Sound doctrine. They had a foundation in it. They were lacking in no gifts. They had missed the mission. They had missed the love of the Lord. But you say, well, that's Corinth. All right. Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3. Seven churches in there. Okay. How many of them were loyal out of the seven? Seven. And if you're really true, the five who were showing disloyalty, it was a severe disloyalty. This wasn't rank amateur disloyalty. That is the history of the bride of Christ. I was reading Linsky and Linsky's quote was this. Disloyalty is the dominating sin of the Christian. And I thought, wow, that Linsky guy's pretty smart. Unquote. James warns us that if a man becomes double-minded, what is double-minded? Disloyal. He shouldn't expect anything from God. Throughout the New Testament, there is a concern for disloyalty. Paul, in Galatians chapter 2, confronts Peter because he is Disloyal, He was being disloyal to Christ, the work of Christ, the gospel, and the gospel of grace. And he confronted Paul in Galatians 2. He confronted Paul so well that in 2 Peter 2, he confronts the believers on their disloyalty. And why would they be led astray by the false? Have you ever thought about that? How easily we are deceived. Well, it felt good. It seemed right. The guy had a suit on. Okay. He said he went to a seminary. John in the spirit warned the sinful churches of Asia Minor of their disloyalty to Christ and the consequences would be severe. And I want to know how those severe those consequences are. Think about this. If you do not, I will remove your lampstand. What is that? It's the thing that holds up the light. You know what that means? You're dim. You're dim. The light isn't held up. None of the New Testament writers were more concerned about loyalty and faithfulness and devotion to Christ than the Apostle Paul. Okay? That's what we're moving into into chapter 11. If you look at Corinth, they showed great disloyalty to God. They did it extraordinarily fast. And they were celebrating it. If you go read 1 Corinthians, you think, what a mess. They, they were touting sexual immorality as an amazing work of grace. How twisted do you have to be to get into that venue? The Lord's table had become a drunken festival. They would have a potluck. And the rich didn't have to go to work. They would come and eat all the good food and the leftovers would be over for those who had to work during the day. Their church services were chaotic. Everybody speaking out of turn and jibber jabber going on and look at me how important I am. They had fallen for seducing spirits. They had fallen for speculations. They had fallen for lofty thoughts that... Were raised up against the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. They were listening to false mouths. They were listening to false teachers. They had defected. In 20, 20 to 24 months. He taught them. And they were so easily led astray. And they were against the Apostle Paul. And against Apostle Paul. They were against the Lord Jesus Christ. All 13 chapters of this book. Second 2 Corinthians. Is an attempt to get them back to loyalty. All they know of the Christ of the gospel, He had given them. Did you ever think about that? What they knew of the gospel and what they knew of the Lord Jesus Christ, where had it come from? Paul. And yet they had betrayed Him. They had turned their backs on Him. So, disloyalty to the truth, disloyalty to Paul was disloyalty to the truth, was disloyalty to Christ. Okay, let me tell you something. That's serious. That is very, very serious. So, Paul is coming back now, and he's going to start reaffirming his apostleship. He's going to start reaffirming his Credibility and he's going to reaffirm his character and let me tell you something that is not something the Apostle Paul likes to do self-defense only because his character assassination and he saw the enemies of the false and their false character and what they were doing with their the believers loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of the gospel back you up a little bit chapter 10 verse 12. We are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. He didn't like to do this. He says, I could, you're living evidence of what I did. I don't have to tell you what I did. Verse 13, we will not boast beyond our measure. We will not boast beyond what the Lord has done. But within the measure of the sphere, God has appointed us. We are running in the lane that God has given us. Why? Because he had a devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ that this is what you want me to do. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 17 and 18 of chapter 10. If he, but he who boasts what? Is to boast in the Lord. Verse 18. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends listen this isn't new John and mom goes up and can my two boys have the left and right hand at your throne listen false are always into self-proclamation self-promotion and they compare themselves to others look at what I have done then you call them on it and say well but I thought you were a minister of the Lord well I meant what God had done Self-commendation is meaningless, absolutely worthless. If you go back and you think about the chaos that was in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3, But to me is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. Verse 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before time, but wait until the Lord comes. Who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motive of men's hearts? Okay. See, when the motive of men's heart is disclosed, you will find out who he's loyal to. Where was his devotion? Chapter 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants whom you believed even as the Lord gave opportunity to each. 4 verse 1. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. I love the word servants in those two texts. Okay, it's not Docanos. Everybody says, well, that's dakinos. That's That's like a deacon. That ain't what that word is. I think what that word is. Hooper is the word. You know what that is? It's the third level rower in a ship. It's the ones who get to drown first. You're chained to the floor and your job is to row. You don't see where you're going. You don't get the scenic view. You are to row. That's the term the Apostle Paul. I am a third level under rower. Well, I think he's like a deacon. Nope, he's a boat paddler. And the only light, the only thing he saw would be that hole where that oar went out through the side of the ship. And if it was a combat ship and it got rammed, guess who drowns first? Paul says, all I do is pull on my oar. See, he didn't like to boast. I'm a lower level galley slave. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I am a clay pot. I am an earthen vessel with this precious treasure in it. And a clay pot, if you look up that term, you'll find out that it means it was the container that the waste of the house was carried out in. Because they didn't have indoor plumbing. And that's what he viewed himself as. So for him to try to get in and try to defend himself... Was just annoying to himself. If you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. And he has said to me, the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected when? Do you know why he makes that statement right there? Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, he has given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Did you get that? You know, (laughs) I remember a guy one time I ran into. I'm not going to mention his name. he was pompous. He's a preacher. And he was pompous. And I had been with him for a couple of days. And it's sort of like fingernails on a chalkboard for me. You know, let me toot my horn. And finally I said, it sounds to me like you're asking a Lord for a messenger from Satan. And he didn't get what I was saying. Okay. Why? The Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. The Apostle Paul, First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, said that he was the chief of sinners. The word literally means foremost. I was the best one. Romans chapter seven, verse 24, he says, Oh wretched man that I am. So to, for Paul to boast is, uh, nah, I ain't going to happen. Listen, I would really suggest that all of you keep your mind on this because he can keep you from exalting yourself. He will give you a thorn in your flesh and it will be a messenger from Satan. And it will be wonderful because it will teach you that your sufficiency will have to come from Christ. When we are attacked, do we understand that it isn't us who is attacked? It is attacking the teaching because they don't want to believe it. That's what it is. And if you defend yourself as the Apostle Paul had to, to the Corinthians, it is never to preserve yourself. The Apostle Paul never preserved himself. He only wanted to preserve the platform for sharing and proclaiming truth. This is a huge part of spiritual war. To be falsely accused, you got to... I can't even begin to tell you the number of times that I have been accused and some of the idiotic things that I have ever heard. But I also understand you don't take it personally. They are attacking the message. I had a season in my ministry when I came out against psychology. Now listen, it doesn't mean that I've changed my stance on it because I haven't. Okay? Humanistic psychology is useless. Okay? it doesn't. It's behavior modification. That's what prisons are for. It doesn't do anything. And if you're a big fan of psychology, you're probably mad at me. Fine. Psychology means fixing the soul. How well does that work in man's power? God fixes the soul. And if you don't believe me, take it up with my boss. Because I've seen it. I've seen, listen, psychology. Why does psychology have the same effect on a saved person that it does on a lost person? It's the only question I ever ask. And I had a bunch of people that I didn't, didn't know at the time who were all in psychology at Denver Seminary. And thus began the smoke. And they came after me. (laughs) I was like, whoa. You know, and they never had an answer for my questions. I was just being mean-spirited. I was being divisive. And they just went on and on and on. And then they started throwing accusations at me and all kind of weird stuff. And they all left. But they did take some people with them. To be falsely accused, you can't take it personally. Why? Because they are attacking the content that is in the clay pot. I mean, it is a it is a waste bucket. Okay? What they're mad at is what's in the waste bucket. Okay? It's not here for ego protection, and there's no attacking back. But as the Apostle Paul, me is not important, but the message is... Teacher of the truth is valuable. You know why? They're rare and they need to be preserved. And it was necessary to defend the apostle Paul's character. If you go and look at the scandals that we have in our community endured, okay, you will always find a large ego and a self-promotion person behind it. Listen, the gospel is at stake. Alright, now we move into chapter 11 here, and Apostle Paul laid the foundation for this in chapter 10. Chapter 11, he's going to get more specific. And if you're really true to the text and the context, chapter 11, verse 1, through chapter 12, verse 13, he starts comparing himself to his accusers. He becomes very pointed and very direct. Okay. He's literally taking the false on face to face. I'm going to compare you to me. One of my responses under my, uh, when I get accused and, I, and it happens is compare the fruit. Show me the fruit. Okay. Why? Loyalty, devotion, and preeminence of Jesus Christ. You must have a wholeheartedness to it. These are beloved people of the Apostle Paul and they had been seduced by the false. Chapter 12, verse 19. Powerful. All of this time you have been thinking that we are defending ourselves to you. Actually, it is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ all for your upbuilding, beloved. I want your loyalty to come back. I want your loyalty to come back. First six verses here deals with a servant's loyalty. He's writing it as a servant to servants. Okay, he starts it out. I wish that you would bear with me a little foolishness. Then he makes this statement. But indeed, you are bearing with me. Okay? He says, I need to share this with you. I need to show you what loyalty is. And I have four aspects that I want you to look at, Corinth. And it's, it's a wonderful text because it's all introduced by the Greek conjunction gar. Verse two. Four. Verse four. Four. Verse five. Four. He's introducing them and each of them is adding to the next. Why? This is what loyalty looks like. You were disloyal, Corinth. You servants of God, you've turned your back to truth. You were seduced by spirits. You have fallen for speculations. You have fallen for lofty ideas by great our orders. Look at what happens in the church in America. But he was a powerful speaker. But he taught lies. Well, no one can speak like that unless what? He introduces it. And one verse introduces because he's coming out of, I want you to bear with me. Bear with me in this foolishness. And I know you will. Why? The severe letter had broken their heart. They had come back. And now he knew that the false were still hiding in the corners. And he says, I need to compare devotion, loyalty, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will stand here and I will show you them here. A servant's loyalty. They must have loyalty to God. Okay, when I use the word loyalty, always think of it this. All your heart, soul, mind, strength. All your heart, soul, mind, strength to Christ. All your heart, soul, mind, strength to the gospel. All your heart, soul, mind, strength to truth. That's a servant's loyalty. And we'll pick this up when I get back. Let's pray. Father, to you be the glory and praise and the honor for this text. Father... You never cease to amaze me with the Apostle Paul. Thank you, my King, for this man and what he has done. And Father, even that today we sit as Gentiles, as fruit of his ministry. Father, I pray for these people who are here today. Father, they may be devoted unto you. And Father, all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, they will pursue. They will pursue God. They will pursue Christ. They pursue the gospel. They pursue truth. Father, let nothing sway us. Let us not be entangled as the King Solomon or as the Corinthians. Ephesus, Sardis, Laodicea. Let us stand, Father. In the power of your glory, authority of your word, unity of the saints, the privilege of the bride of Christ.